Welcome back to the Dealmakers Podcast Show with serial entrepreneur Alejandro Cremades, best-selling author of The Art of Startup Fundraising and co-founder at Panthera Advisors. In this podcast, we ask our guests about their successful acquisitions and financing rounds. Hey guys, so just a quick overview here on Panthera Advisors as I think it might be of value to you. So Panthera Advisors exist in order to help founders that are in the process of raising capital or get their company acquired. I actually started the company out of incredible frustration because during my entrepreneurial journey, which involved building, financing, scaling, and exiting companies, I could not find a resource that was founder friendly and I could not get the type of support that I was seeking. So as a result, I made a ton of mistakes along the way. So if you're looking to raise capital or you are looking to get your company acquired or just need some sound financial planning and you're looking to get the best possible outcome in the shortest period of time, feel free to learn more by visiting us at PantheraAdvisors.com or just reach out directly and shoot me a note at Alejandro at PantheraAdvisors.com. Alrighty, hello everyone and welcome to the Deal Maker Show. So super excited here with the guest that we have today, you know, uh, uh, another entrepreneur from from Startup Nation. And I think that we're going to very much enjoy what he has to say, you know, a lot of stories here, you know, fundraising, you name it. So I guess without further ado, let's welcome our guest today, Osalon. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. And, and just so you know, folks from Startup Nation, like to refer to it as scale-up nation now. That's the new There term. you go. No <laughs> more startups. Now is the next thing. You guys are taking it to the next level. I love it. So in your case, let's talk about uh, you and, and your upbringing because you were born there in, in Israel, in the, in the countryside. So how was life growing up there? Oh, it was great. And the best part about the, the countryside there was that I met my wife. <laughs> when we were 13 and we studied together and threw parties together and did everything together until we started Honeybook. That's amazing. And, and, and talking about parties, parties all the way up to 2,600 people. I mean, were you inviting yeah. like every single person in, in your Facebook account? Uh, yeah, it's, it, some of it was actually pre-Facebook. But, you know, in, in Israel, you have your grade and uh, around 200 to 300 folks. And then when you all join the military, you know, all your friends have other friends and they all bring them to the party. So it's, so that's why, that's why Israelis, when you meet Israelis, they have many friends and they know many, we know a lot of people. So that, that's why. And obviously as well, when you, when it comes to Israelis, I mean, you guys, you know, also do the army. So in this yep. case, you and your wife both did the army. Uh, she joined the air force. You did the military. So yeah. What, what kind of discipline do you think that, you know, this experience gave you guys? It's it's actually very interesting. We there was a moment uh, a few years ago that we talked about one of our employees wanted some uh, manage managerial experience, and we talk we talked about it. And suddenly we realized that both of us, my wife and I, when we were 18 years old, and after we joined uh, the Air Force and the intelligence, uh, we were we were sent to commanders. Uh, uh, course and then officers course and but uh, i got to command over uh, over 50 folks and and two commanders and and now my, my wife actually had a platoon of 200 soldiers so you know that that was in the age of 19 
when you think about that, the, this experience that you get in the military is, is uncomparable. Wow, no kidding. So in this case, I mean, right after, you know, the Army, I mean, you guys, you know, really uh, kind of like um, uh, went to school, but, but you, you, in your case, law. I mean, why law? Because, I mean, business, you know, you ended up doing business and here you are operating your own business. But the whole law, you know, aspect and interest, how did that come about? I blame my parents for that. I want to study. <laughs> I want to study engineering. And they thought, what are you going to do with that? You need, <laughs> you need a real profession. <laughs> I don't think that was wise, to be honest. Uh, but, yeah. but luckily, yeah. we got into this amazing ecosystem and, and um, the tech ecosystem. So. I'm I'm glad things uh, panned out well. Uh, now, my actually studied something good, you know, something important. She went to, and studied UX uh, design, so uh, in an amazing school in Israel. That was good, and that has definitely served you guys very well as you were yes. building the the company. I mean, you know, it's interesting here because I also studied law and I practice law as well. So I mean, we have so many things in common. It's crazy, but but in 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 my case, uh, it really helped me. For example, as I was going from financing round to financing round to really anticipate, you know, potential issues down the line and things that maybe the lawyers had, you know, missed out or whatever. How do you think that maybe the legal background in your case, you know, has perhaps, you know, helped you? I actually tried to avoid it and, and really leave it to the lawyers and not assume that I know because, you know, I, I didn't really practice law. I, law, I, um, I was an intern. But yeah, I, I think what helped me maybe with, with studying law was more of the, on the theoretical things in the way of thinking and kind of weighing situations on both sides of it. I think people that study law uh, tend to learn how to look at situations in a bit of a more in an objective manner. Um, so I believe that that was helpful. And at the same time that you were working, you know, down the line at the, at the law firm right after getting, you know, coming out of school, you were at this law firm doing the internship, as you were alluding to, and at the same time, your now wife, you know, was say, working at, at a web design studio that she was running. So, so you you had the internship. You also had your pub or bar that uh, that you were starting to. So, I guess this really made you guys both small business owners, and this was the perfect segue or what led you guys to really, you know, building Honeybook uh, down the line. So, so what was that process of 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 really coming up with the idea and and bringing Honeybook to, to life. So it's interesting because we were living the dream. You know, we were owning our businesses. We loved it, uh, but we didn't love the mundane tasks that came came with it. We we liked communicating with our with our customers. We like we loved serving them, uh, but we didn't like bookkeeping. We didn't like tracing payments. You know, tracking agreements. That that was not the thing we liked about owning a business. And, you know, I think that that's probably the reason we gravitated towards building software for service-based businesses, for independent businesses that um, helps these businesses manage their client flow. So through HoneyBook, independent businesses today uh, send proposals, sign agreements, accept online payments. It's really from like lead all the way to money in the bank. And and that's that's why we started it eight years ago. And you did that in Israel, or where did you guys say uh, get started with the company? So so we started it uh, in the U.S., um, but we we definitely had the dream in Israel, and we met our first investor uh, back then that 
that offered gave us an offer we couldn't refuse. It was twenty five thousand dollars if we make the move to Palo Alto, and uh, it seemed like a no brainer. He said, "Look, I'm going to see here once you start the company. I'm going to see it," uh, and we jumped on a plane and we made that move. That's amazing. So, so just for the people that are listening to really get it, what ended up being the business model of HoneyBook? So the business model of HoneyBook is if if you're an independent business, which could be a uh, interior designer, a web designer, a business coach, a photographer, you will use HoneyBook to manage all your potential clients who become clients, right? To manage lead to money in the bank, to send them uh, a proposal, to send them an agreement, an invoice, to accept online payments. Uh, later on, you can even get capital from us. So HoneyBook is kind of your client flow and your cash flow. Uh, and the business model is you pay software uh, a subscription fee, uh, $40 on a monthly basis, and uh, you pay a fee for uh, transactions. So uh, similar to business models like Shopify and others. So so just as well to, to really get it because, you know, it's a, this an operation like this sounds like capital intensive. How much capital have you guys raised to date? So we raised to date around $250 million. And from a capital intensivity perspective, I think it's more, it's more of um, it's actually a pretty efficient business. Um, but uh, you know, we have the aspirations to build more product, to develop more, to become a platform, um, and to acquire um, many of these independent businesses. Because as we grow in our member base, we can deliver more value to the entire community we serve. Uh, so I think more, it's more geared to that. Got it. And and the I I'd like to hear here, and I'm sure that the that the folks listening are gonna love it, the welcome story to Silicon Valley when it came to fundraising. <laughs> so let's go to like the early innings of 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 really the capital raising efforts. Yeah. So so, so first of all, I, you know, I think we, we went through quite a bit. And one thing I can I can share when I look at all you know all the rounds we went through is that uh, it doesn't matter what the amount is. It's the it's it could be a, a you know it could be hard it could be easy but it's 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 it doesn't matter it's the same thing right when you raise twenty five thousand dollars and when you raise one hundred and fifty million dollars and in our early days we we were living in Palo Alto uh, immigrants from from Israel and we didn't know many many folks and um and we finally got like our first term sheet and you know it was a huge thing and we needed to fill it up. And someone introduced us to two investors. One of them uh, is Ben Ling, and the other investor was Michael Birch. And we knew we had these important meetings, uh, and I was very nervous, and I just couldn't sleep the night before. I I couldn't sleep, and in the morning, I, I said to Nama, my wife, I said, "Look, like you, you have to join me and and drive because the meetings are in San Francisco," and I you know I didn't sleep. So she joined me and we, and we got to the first meeting. The first meeting was with Ben Ling. It was in a coffee shop uh, in Soma. And we're sitting in a coffee shop waiting for him. We, we Googled his name. And one of the things uh, I read online was, this is going to be uh, one of the smartest people you meet, the fastest thinker. And I'm reading all that. I'm like, okay, that's great. You know, in a day like this that I can hardly think. Um, and he walks up the stairs and he looks at us and sits, sits down and says, hi. And, says so what do you got and 
you know, we, I started the presentation. I think even the internet didn't really work or something was, not, nothing was going well that day. And, and, and I can hear myself that like the pitch does not make sense. You know, I can just, I can, every word that came out didn't, didn't have nothing to do with the word that was <laughs> there came out before and, and the sentences couldn't, didn't make sense. And um, at one point I just concluded that this is, this is a waste of time. And I should do everything I can to cut short, to cut this meeting short. And because then I can buy time to prepare for my next meeting with Michael Birch. So I'm, as I'm thinking about how can I, how can I get out of here and, and cut this meeting short? And suddenly Ben looks at me and says, okay, stop. He says, I got it. I got it. This is what you're going to do. You're going to serve these guys, photographers, whatnot. And if I multiply this by that, I get to $10 million of revenue, $10 million. But tell me this, how do you get from $10 million to $100 million? And I'm looking at Ben and I'm thinking to myself, okay, here is my opportunity. I'm going to give him an answer. And after that answer, he's going to kick me out of here. And I'll have enough time to prepare for my next meeting because clearly I need it. So I look back at him and I say, Okay, how do I get from 10 million to 100 million? Well, I multiply by 10. <laughs> now, I don't, for people who know Ben, Ben is, he has muscles, okay? I'll, I'll just say that. And I'm looking at him and I'm absolutely certain he's going to punch me in the face. So I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting ready for that. Like, I was never punched <laughs> in the face before. So I, don't, I, I, I wasn't sure how it, what, what it feels like, but I was ready for it. And he looks at me and says, Are you serious? That's your answer. It looks at now, Ma looks at me. I think it was okay. This punch is. I'm. I'm. I'm for sure. I'm going to get it. So I said. Uh, I kind of make myself as if I'm calculating again, counting the zeros. Yes, ten times. It's a hundred. Yes, hundred million dollars. <laughs> he stands up and he says, "Just don't waste my time. Is there room for me? I want to. I want to invest at least a hundred thousand dollars." Can you make room for me? Don't waste my time. I was, he, he started going through his resume and he was at Facebook and at Google. And he says, look, I can, I can support you down the road. You want me on the cap table. Uh, I will be a great investor. $100,000. Can we shake hands on it? And, and whoever, you know, if you ever met Ben, he never shakes hands. Like he, he, fast, uh, he fist bumps. And, and, and that was the, the first and the last time I ever shook his hand. And I just couldn't believe it. So he shook my hand. I think he gave Nama a hug and he left the room. Uh, and Nama and I just looked at each other, shocked. And I said, Nama, what happened? She said, I think he said he wants to invest. So yeah, I heard the same thing. But what do you think about my pitch? Said, oh my God, I was, this was so bad. I never, like, what's wrong with you? I said, yeah, but anyway, long story short. Um, uh, by the way, after that, we went to the meeting with Michael Birch, one of the best meetings we had. Michael is amazing, and, and he invested as well. Um, but uh, long story short, a month later, I meet with Ben Ling again, uh, this time in the gym um, in Soma. And uh, he's like, fitness itself, or it's a fitness or something. And, and he says, and I said, Ben, you have to tell me like the, the, the story here. Why did you invest? Like, my pitch was not good said, oh, yes, Oz, you were all over the place. That was a really bad pitch. And I'm like, but why did you invest? I said, look, there's two things I look for. The first is I like teams that lead by design. They're led by design or lead with design. And, and I looked at your 
at the mock-up that you sent over. And I thought, you know, these guys, they know how to design a product. And whatever, the, whatever happens in a meeting, I need to invest as much as I can. By the way, my minimum was $50,000. <laughs> uh, I'm like, wow, okay, but what's the second thing? He said, well, you know, I like to work with CEOs that don't give an F. <laughs> and, <laughs> and the funny thing is that I definitely give an F. And I, I was just in the worst position in a survival mode, to be honest. Uh, but the one thing I will say about Ben is brilliant. One of the smartest people you will meet, fast thinker. And an amazing investor. Um, so that's the one thing I would say. What an amazing story. Welcome to Silicon Valley. What an amazing That was a fantastic welcome. That's for sure. So so in your case, Oz, you know, obviously here you are, you know, two co-founders that are married. You know, I'm sure that, you know, for you guys, you know, has been also, you know, a little interesting, no? Like I'm sure that in, in, in perhaps... In Israel and, and the U.S., you know, it was treated differently. You know, perhaps, you know, like there were some questions there that could yeah. have been at times uncomfortable. So what kind of differences did you see between perhaps Israel and the U.S. and, 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 and any uncomfortable questions that you got or, or, or yeah. things that you're like, why the hell are they <laughs> asking me this? So, so first of all, the, 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 the culture difference is very interesting. Um, and obviously, it, it depends on who you, who you meet. Um, but an investor in Israel that met with us back then, uh, we, pre we, we, pitched, we pitched him. And, and in the end of the pitch, he looks at us and, and kind of summarizes everything and, and, and says, look, on the one hand, on the plus side, you know, I like, I like the product and the business model. Um, but, you know, on the minus side, I'm not sure about the market. And you're a married couple. I say, what do you mean? Is that is that married couple in the negative bucket? <laughs> you know, <laughs> is that, he he says, um, yeah, sure. It's it's not a plus. I'm like, what do you mean? Why? Say, well, if you're married, you can get divorced. <laughs> I said, well, first of all, that's true. You know, all the divorce. <laughs> People I know were married before that, so a hundred percent. That's true, um, but um, uh, but okay, you know that was his perspective, um, and and then after that, uh, many months later, we were at a meeting in in Sequoia uh, with uh, Mike Moritz, uh, another amazing meeting, uh, and in that meeting, uh, Mike, in the end of the meeting, says, "You know, I." I like the product, uh, and and I and I like the market. And, you know, small businesses. I I like that this approach. And you're a married couple. I said to him, "Is that a positive?" <laughs> he said, "Yeah, absolutely. We invested." Um, he he started giving names of companies. He says Cisco, and uh, Eventbrite, and House. Uh, we love married couples. <laughs> we have great experience with married couples. So. You know, it really depends on the people you meet. But more than anything, I think in the end of the day, you, you find the people that believe in you. I think from all these stories, you know, the first guy that gave us $25,000 was Gil Benarzi. And the term sheet came from Bobby Lent. And afterwards, Ben Ling and Michael Birch. And these are folks that really believed in us and, you know, st stuck around to this day. And we talk, we talk quite a bit and supported us in many rounds. 
So I think it's all about the people that you meet and that believe in you and join this ride. And why do you think that uh, Mike Moritz, I mean, someone that is like a legend in, in, in Silicon Valley and in the venture world, you know, like, what, what, why do you think he, he saw or he sees married couples as a positive? I think it's a list of, uh, it's probably the list of uh, companies uh, he invested in and, and, and saw it as a successful, um, successful investment, right? It's all about the experiences they have. But if I had to advocate to why marriage couples is, is a plus, I will say that, you know, that's most of the time, uh, married couples have some history before they started a company together. And that's not always the case with, uh, with co-founders who are not, right? right? So I think the more important question, married couples or not, any co-founders that start a company together, If I will be in the investor shoes, although I'm, I'm, I'll be a bad investor, so I shouldn't. But, but if I was, uh, I would ask, like, what is your, what is your history together as co-founders? And, and, and that is important, that you have a history, that you went through stuff, because this is going to be tough. It's a very long ride, and, um, and you know, you're going to go through ups and downs and together. And, yeah, that, that's the more important question. Absolutely. So, so let me ask you this. Imagine you go to sleep tonight, Os, and uh, you wake up in a world five years later, for example. Imagine tremendous news. You've never slept like this in your life. And uh, you wake <laughs> up in a world where basically the, the vision of HoneyBook is fully realized. What does that world wow. look like? Wow. Well, that world looks like uh, that every individual that has a talent and finds their talent can turn it into a business and and can you know live a life based on passion and purpose and manage this, the business seamlessly and constantly you know enjoy their relationship that that person uh, develops with their clients and and succeeds as a business and is proud of the legacy that they're building And and the, and how they express themselves and you know and I want to partner with as as uh, we want to partner with as many as possible uh, in the world that will do that. That's amazing. So so I guess uh, now I mean it's incredible what you guys have built. You know, for the people that are listening to get an idea on the on how big HoneyBook is today. I mean, anything that you can share in terms of number of employees or anything else? Yeah, we are um, we're around 120 employees. In the company, uh, we, uh, from a size perspective, uh, tens of thousands of businesses they use HoneyBook um, and and book and transact through HoneyBook more than a billion dollars a year. Um, so it's already already, already sizable, but just the beginning. Um, so uh, yeah, we're we're still a small team. Uh, we actually want to stay as small as we can. It's it's hard, uh, but we're excited about you know the number of members that we we serve, and hopefully we serve we will serve many many more in this community. And I and I've heard you you know talk about the word scale or or staying small you know a couple of times here. You know, obviously at this point you guys have raised you know quite a bit of money. You are definitely in a growth stage, you know, ramp up type of mode. But 
what does that transition from going to early to grow stage look like? I mean, what, what, what are some of the typical issues that, that you guys had to deal with? First of all, many, many issues over, over the years and many transitions. At the beginning, we wanted to personally serve, serve every one of our members, um, get on the phone, um, give them a demo of, a, of, of the product, uh, help them on board to a, to a product. And, and we hired uh, a sales team to do that. And, and I think over time, we learned that, you know, in scale, our members didn't want that, you know, and, and they wanted, and as the years went by, we saw that potential members, so we call our customers members, uh, would, would land on our site and they wanted to try it themselves. They didn't want to hop on a call, to jump on a call with someone. And so we need to transition to being able to to really do this in a cell phone boarding manner and 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 be able to give the level of service we wanted, but in scale. Um, so that was something that you know we had to transition from from sales to more online acquisition. Uh, the other thing was as as the years went by, we we started seeing this long tail of of businesses. So at first you have your core uh, core businesses that use HoneyBook, um, but then over time, almost every day that goes by, you discover another kind of business. So this very long tail of of verticals, and you constantly need to make sure you build a great product for them, and that you speak, you know, their language with content that is relevant to them, and and constantly build a community that is relevant and can support uh, their needs. So. Uh, you know, I think in scale, again, especially when you serve a, a diverse group of, of, of businesses, you need to learn how to do that. And then communication internally. You know, from early days, we would meet uh, when we were five, six people, and we were working in a, in a split team between Israel and the U.S. We, had, we, we met together every day. And as we grew, we had to learn how to keep that daily communication going. And between the offices, and learn how we can make sure that we get together enough physically, and all the things that now the entire world is is dealing with. But we needed to learn how to do that over time and scale. So these were just just the the first few that are top of my. Oh, and and one more thing that I will mention is, you know, when you deal with payments. So as you grow, you know, more and more there's more and more threats. Uh, to to business and the world in general together today is a dangerous world um and uh for for payments and and uh and constantly you need to think about how how you protect your community and and that's something that in in scale you know becomes a challenge for many companies and by the way when you asked before about why raise uh or what would you do with the funds companies like honeybook need to raise money because they need to be as secure as possible to protect their members, to protect their community. Uh, so that's that's another thing. So imagine now, Oz, that I put you into a time machine and I bring you back in time. And I bring you back, you know, in time to that point where you guys were thinking about, you know, a, perhaps, you know, like bringing a business to life. And that time that, you know, perhaps 2013 when HoneyBook, you know, we're starting 
you know, to, to really be incubated and to be brought to life. If you were able to have a, a conversation and to have yourself and your wife right there, the younger selves right there in front of you, and you were able to give them one piece of business advice for launching the company, what would that be and why, given what you know now? Wow. And I can't give them advice in what share to invest in. <laughs> um, <laughs> and multiply by 10, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> but for us, you know, my advice uh, will probably be listen to your instincts and, and keep on leading with design. Design is hero. Um, that's that's going to become your superpower. And, you know, double down on it as much as you can. And why, why is design so important? Also? When you build product for, um, for this kind of business, for a solopreneur, an independent business, uh, this is a person that, you know, is going to use your product every day. And that and their product matters a lot to them. That's how they understand their business. They manage their business. That's what helps them sleep better at night. You know, give them the um, the, the confidence that that things are in control and um, and design matters. It's 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 like it's it's a it's it's a B two B, but you know the businesses are are more like consumers. And they truly care about what the product looks like, um, how what it feels like, how uh, intuitive it is, and what does it make? How does it make them look in front of their clients? So, I think that would be the the advice if I go back. And as we're thinking about you know the going back in time and advice and all of this stuff, is there a book that you wish you would have read sooner? Oh wow. Uh, these are great questions. <laughs> questions. There's a great book that was just uh, it was just published yesterday, actually, uh, by uh, a person named Natalie Frank, uh, who is our head of community at HoneyBook, and it's called Built to Belong. Uh, I wish I read that back in 2013, but uh, but <laughs> luckily uh, I got to work with Natalie, and uh, and you should all go out and buy the book. Built to Belong by Natalie Frank. <laughs> and why is that book so important? Because uh, now I'll kind of, I'll, I'll amend my first, my answer of his design. It is design, but it is the community as well. And the power of community, especially for what we do, um, creates another layer of value for our members uh, as they interact with HoneyBook and with each other. Because these businesses, when you, when again, when you think about them, um, they're lonely. You know, in the end of the day, they don't have uh, many colleagues uh, that they they work with day in day out, shoulder to shoulder, or virtual shoulder today. Um, and if if you know, you can build a a, a supporting community for them, and um, and you know, you can really help them. Uh, first of all, you know, find answers to the things that they need. Um, but secondly, feel like they are, you know, they're not alone and that they belong. And, you know, we invested over the year, over the years, uh, quite a bit in community. And we had Natalie uh, join us. Uh, she's better the co-founder of the Rising Tide Society community. Um, and, and 
you know, I think if I go back to 2013, we should have started invest, investing already then uh, in the community. So uh, reading the book back then would have been um, very important. Amazing. Well, Oz, for the people that are listening, what is the best way for them to reach out and say hi? Well, uh, oz at honeybook.com. They can send send me an email. Um, I'm not I'm not great on social media, to be honest. But yes, they can find me on on Twitter, uh, probably, and on Facebook and LinkedIn. Amazing. Well, Oz, thank you so so much for being on the Deal Maker Show today. Thank you. Great, great questions. If you like the show, make sure that you hit that subscribe button. If you could leave a review as well, that would be fantastic. And if you got any value, either from this episode or from the show itself. Share it with a friend. Perhaps they also appreciate it. So also remember that if you need any help, whether it is with your fundraising efforts or with selling your business, you can reach me at Alejandro at PantheraAdvisors.com. You've reached the end of another episode of the Dealmakers Podcast. For free resources and materials, head over to AlejandroCremades.com. Thank you for listening and see you at the next episode.